Because you know there's a handful of people actually run everything. That's true. It's provable. I'm not it's all about not. control. To them we just cattle. Numbers battling each other while they're creeping in the shadows. Scheming, plotting, clocking your every move. Locked in your mind, brainwashed until it's rocking. Got the population operating as they want them. Symbolically mocking them, thinking nothing can stop them. So open your eyes to the lies of the evil. The poison in the minds and the lives of your people. And every time they lead you down the line to deceive you. And by then, it's always too late to see. Through the veil that they hide behind, cause your third eye is blind. Better take a stand, we running out of time. Ain't nobody coming to save us, fuck with you out of mind. Arm yourself with the truth and jump behind the battle line. Can we turn it around? Yeah, it's possible. Attached to the strings, being pulled by puppet masters This is for the youth, searching for the proof Keep on looking for the clues, I'll provide you with some truth This is for the ones, waking up from the spell Beginning to discover themselves Yeah, this is for the youth, searching for the truth Keep on looking for the clues, I'll provide you with some proof Hey yo, the stage is set, the game is rigged The system isn't broken, it was designed this way And only the blind obey, give their mind away To these political, parasitical, cynical, criminal-minded individuals Getting you to surrender your freedom to the hands of the state, with every boogeyman they create, playing they order out of chaos in order to enslave us, distorted our brains to morally degrade us, faces off against each other while they move the pieces on the global chessboard, directing the hordes, I don't come to bring peace, I was sent with a sword, a truth, to get you mentally ready for war, step forth if you got the balls to call out these tyrants, or submit your compliance through silence, cause in this filthy system ain't a single soul to trust, it ain't right versus left, it's a state versus this us, this is for the world, this is for the masses attached to the strings being pulled by puppet masters this is for the youth searching for the proof keep on looking for the clues i'll provide you with some truth this is for the ones waking up from the spell beginning to discover themselves yeah this is for the youth searching for the truth keep on looking for the clues i'll provide you with some proof this is for the world world Sure are. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of A Hitchhiker's Guide to Truth. I'm your host, James Cordner. Uh, my website is freeyourmindne.com. And thank you for tuning in. Tonight, I have a special guest, a new friend. His name is Gino Volante. And he is going to be telling us all about himself and the projects that he has going on down in New Zealand. So without further ado, let's bring in the man himself, Mr. Gino Volante. Gino, how are you tonight? I'm good, thanks. Uh, hi, James, thanks so much for having me on the show. Really appreciate it. Yeah, not a problem, man. I've, uh, you know, I've, I've heard a couple of things that you've done and we, uh, it's not out yet, but you know, the audience doesn't yet, but we, we did a round table together and 
And uh, I, was, I liked what you had to say. So in that musical truth episode that you did, that was awesome. Um, I've been in that. I've been involved in that too. So it was like a really, really, uh, we're part of the same kind of social circle here. So it's really great to have you on and to get to have a one-on-one -on -one with you. So um, I've heard a little bit about what you do down there. I want to learn more. So, and I'm sure my audience wants to hear all about what you do and what you participate in down in New Zealand. So take it away. Tell me all about it. I really appreciate it. Um, it's really great to have a sense of connection with you and, um, yeah, and the rest of the yeah, the rest of the sort of uh, people you're networking with. It's um, it's really important for uh, you know people to have a sense of connection, and that sort of is a big a big message with um, you know young children and child development. And um, I'll you know I'm, I guess I'll just try and go sort of right back to the beginning, and um, we can just push that forward. Um, so I mean I I guess to sort of waking up to, you know, sort of what's really going on in the world and that kind of thing. I'd been sort of exploring, um, exploring, you know, trying to find out answers really throughout my life, as I think everybody ends up discovering the truth has done. And uh, when I sort of, I, I came onto Mark Passio's um, What on Earth is Happening podcast, and um, I started to, you know, really sort of the penny started to really drop there. And um, from that, I sort of uh, realized, shit, like I've really got to do something. I really feel like I need to do something. And I had sort of a kind of, in a way, it was like a calling through my parents and friends and and family to sort of be working with young children. I, I'm from a large family. My mum's Catholic. We were raised Catholic. And I had that sort of, um, you know, exoteric sort of spiritual uh, upbringing and um, not being quite satisfied with that and then rejecting the church and um, you know misbehaving and then still searching for meaning and um, all that to say I felt like right well from what I'm hearing at the beginning of what on earth is happening and um, hearing some of the guests I think Freeman Fly was quite early on and his view is very sort of you know, in a way, sort of like childlike play and exploration and just feeling free and being free like a child. And I thought, man, I really got to just do something. And I felt like what I was doing at the time wasn't really working. So I decided to finally bite the bullet and get into early childhood education. And I decided uh, to just give it everything that I had. And I knew I started to learn like, hey, it's probably not like, you know, you can't, you can't fight it from the inside. But I just felt like it's a better option than what what I was doing, just sort of, um, you know, cook, uh, chefing jobs or just trying to fit in with the, the status quo and not feeling satisfied. And um, I, it sounded quite rebellious um, and challenging uh, to do that, to do the early childhood teaching. So, yeah, I just went into it and gave it a go. And my sort of journey of research uh, through the po uh, What on Earth is Happening podcast and then, you know, some ancillary material and that kind of thing and finding, you know, other, other pre presenters and stuff through the show. Um, it really started to sort of bring up like the big thing were like synchronicities, um, just through working with the children. And I started to, you know, have a sort of kind of keen interest when I was going into work, like what would, what would I discover today and what would I learn today? And I started to, um, become quite good at the job as well, which became quite controversial and stuff. And, I think the synchronicity part was 
was probably the, the time where it really felt like, you know, that sort of awakening, awakening, like I kind of felt a bit like in denial of that, um, just that sort of feeling when you do get a meaningful coincidence, you kind of, you know, your, your sort of, um, you know, your left brain, your logical brain just wants to say, hey, that was just like a coincidence. That's what that feeling was. And they started to sort of get, you know, stronger and stronger. And I sort of continued to try to sort of toe the line and um, be a bit more like a conventional teacher. And uh, yeah, just the universe didn't want me to do that. And I, um, I was sort of being pushed to be more and more rebellious. And I became more popular, really, with the children and more controversial. And I started to learn about the importance of um, the importance of, you know, basically, uh, different types of behaviors. And, um, you know, the big one was uh, self defense, I started to figure out quite early on, that, <clears throat> excuse me, the self defense principle is, um, in my opinion, from my experience working with uh, young children is kind of the key to tick all the boxes for the sort of um, the well being and the holistic kind of brain development of a young child. And this is all coming from the context of you know, essentially like child prison where you got to drop your kid off to a center and off you go to work to earn, to earn your money and um, come and pick them up later in the day. And I also started to realize, I didn't think people were really aware of, um, yeah, how, how that dynamic is, is really powerful, but not really in the best way. And I felt like sort of responsible that it was up to me to kind of create a play-based happy environment and the challenge was really to stop children from being bullied and um, empower them not to not to be bullied and to like stand up for themselves and and that kind of thing so I sort of did that for about five years and I sort of got more jaded and was learning yeah you really can't you really can't fight it from the inside but I had a few sort of pennies drop and I was I um, like the big one which I do in one of my early sort of episodes that I've done is um, like a uh, animal animal I don't dive into it but just anecdotally like um, animal symbolism and um, I started to notice that like you know I, I was kind of receiving messages and signs symbolically through um, you know uh, yeah just through symbols um, and I got a um, I was receiving a, literally a cockroach uh, symbolism one of the resources that are common here in the centers is like um, a like a, a basket full of um, toy insects. And there's like a lot, you know, they're like scarab beetles, uh, cockroaches, crickets, all kinds of things in them. And for, for uh, an extended time, um, different children at different centers were giving me uh, the cockroach as a gift. They were choosing that out of the basket and were saying, hey, this is for you. And... Uh, you know, as I was exploring the synchronicity thing, I'd sort of go and do a bit of research on what does everything mean. And um, I sort of started to learn something that's really magical about uh, spending time with young children, which has motivated me to do the, the secret kindergarten um, in a way to maybe empower, at the very least, um, people that have aw awakened a little bit to the truth, but feel a bit disempowered if they're kind of, in, you know, quote unquote, sort of stuck stuck being a parent and having to raise uh, raise the young children there's um, a lot to tap into and a lot to tune in with and um, 
to actually sacrifice more of your own time or, or resources to create more time and action with, with your young children is actually uh, really, really important because you can then start to tap into, um, yeah, literally the, the etherical world. And um, so that's what really sort of um, got me pumped up. And my, the cockroach turned out to be, um, I mean, it kind of is a little bit what you make of it, but the cockroach in Chinese uh, numerology um, is associated with the 25th of January, which is my birthday. And in Chinese numerology, yeah, so for me, it was a bit like, you know, well, dude, <laughs> like that kind of thing. And um, for me, that's, yeah, yeah. So, and then I started to realize actually these messages are like, are really strong and kind of, kind of confronting. And I think working with young children in the early child uh, education space, like, it was so potent. I'm not sure if like, um, like the, the potency of it would be the same for, for everybody, but within the home and, you know, there's, you have a family and, you know, one, two, three or more young children, then, um, that's a very spiritual, a very spiritual sp space with lots of, uh, learning to have for obviously the young children, but also for the parents. Um, I don't think it's necessarily necessary. I was quite amazed at um, really just how basic it is uh, for young children. And I started to research sort of a little bit about, you know, young children, like as a topic in, in the truth movement. And I saw that there was in a way a gap or in a way um, a, a little bit of a void. I, I mean, it's a bit rich coming from me because, but at the same time, I think it's sort of what qualifies me. I chose not to have children because I felt like there was some, I just felt like it wasn't right. And in a way, sort of knowing what's been going on. And at the time I was a bit, I was a bit more of the sort of paranoid, um, not paranoid, but a bit more the conspiracy type, like a bit worried about, oh my God, it's the end of the world kind of thing. And I thought, I don't want to bring children into this, but I feel like I have a lot to contribute. So that was my path. But I think, um, oh, where am I going with that? Just, I, I think, uh, you know, I sort of went in and I just realized these kids don't have a parent. So in a way, I'm kind of the parent. And then it made me really have to understand the the, the kids. And I'm sorry to interrupt, but do you mean the yeah. kids, the kids in the centers? Oh, excuse me. Yes. Yes. In the, in the centers. So the yeah. kids in the centers were the ones that you were that you saw this. Uh, you saw this, this, this part of their life being unfulfilled. Yeah, like a, yes. like like a like a adult role model, whether it be male or mm. female. Yes, yes, and um, and I also realised that I don't think the parents really understood because they weren't there on how um how abandoned yeah how really abandoned the young children are because yeah yeah if you if you mm -hmm. care which I chose to do if you really cared like oh my god these kids are literally without their mum and dad um you know. Uh, this is like, this is pretty crazy. It's almost like freak out level crazy. And I also started to see that like a lot of, a lot of adults really couldn't handle the environment, um, emotionally. And I really, I really decided, man, I'm going to give it like 120%. And, um, and so what I discovered with that is obviously like the, the stress that it puts on, on an adult as a parent or as a carer of young children. And, um, I started to, you know, 
because the role of the early childhood teacher in New Zealand, or at least it was, and in theory, is to sort of, um, you know, ask why, like, why is, why is the young child interested in playing with the ball or why is it, you know, and looking into the deeper meaning of things. So I kind of naturally, like from asking the question and researching, um, you know, I guess the, the true, true meaning eventually would just come up. And obviously I was doing my own research in the background, but um, just to say that like um, that, that space um, when it, when a parent is um, drowsy, it's, it's a similar state to the state that young children are in, which is like the theta um, brainwave state. And, um, and that sort of frequency is the same frequency that um, uh, the adult brain goes into when um, when they're going falling off to sleep and when they're waking up in the morning, which is an important time for, um, you know, like mystery school sort of traditions and stuff for um, achieving your, you know, your dreams and your goals by way of mentalism. I think that um, like that tarot school, it's like, um, for example, the um, builders of the Aditum, and I think it's like a sort of Helen Blavatsky type lineage that you know teaches you about the tarot and a lot of their early their early um like the beginning the beginning foundation teachings are about sort of making goals achieving small steps obviously working to it and then using your theta brainwave state which is just before you go to sleep and just after you wake up to really focus on your goals and intentions and what you want to achieve in your life and I noticed like, uh, you know, doing the teaching, you're kind of forced into the same state as the young children. So it's like a subconscious, the subconscious sort of state, which is where young children um, are really, are really at between sort of uh, two and a half to sort of seven. I mean, obviously yeah. their, their conscious mind is growing and developing, but I started to question, well, actually, where is like when the child gives me, hey, this cockroach is for you. Um, you know, obviously there's some crossover, like maybe, you know, they've already, you know, the trivium um, information in and, you know, the, the processing and then the information coming out, maybe they've, yep. they're already replaying something like that, that they've experienced. So there are those, so you've got to use a bit of discernment, but the things that are bizarre when like parents depending or adults go, oh, you know, kids say the darndest things or kids do some pretty crazy stuff. I started to understand that it was coming from you know the etherical place or subconscious place or you know the place of god and i started to see that that's where a lot of the meaning and importance uh, or like the messages that an adult can receive in that sort of um playing playing and inquisitive uh, sort of environment so i got really interested yeah yeah right. like they're they're, <laughs> they're um children are like so the idea of the soul you know coming back and having to like the wheel of karma or you know there's many different ways of like you know reincarnation uh things like that like the idea of the soul coming back and being in this physical plane like children are so close to the spirit the spiritual spiritual realm of the of the uh of the setup and it's like they they're 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 just coming back so they're they're uh, more in tune. I've t I've talked about it before with a, with a few other people about kids like being 
so like intuitive to like and it's like creepy sometimes <laughs> like, yeah yeah it, it's in it's it's just out of this world but uh, they and the thing that happens is a lot of the times is like but i i really appreciate what you said about the, just then about you know um the abandonment thing because it, it's it's a big deal and it's a lot it's a bigger deal than a lot of people want to admit uh, like that you're you're abandoned you're, you're sending your kid off to be raised by some other organization or some other people you know yeah. i know here in the states it happens they start sending their kids off like my wife was was in uh, the same field early childhood care and they she would go and she worked at a daycare and they were they were they were pretty nice people and um there would be babies like little bait like infants there so, so their parents could go to work it's like you, you know and like kids like you know all all the way up to maybe five years old before they'd go to uh kindergarten here in the states and it's child abandonment like plain and simple and you think yeah. because you get to pick up your kid at the end of the day it's like no it's it might be softer it's not like straight up like you leaving your kid at a foster home kind of abandonment but it's definitely a form of it you're yeah you're abdicating your responsibility to another another person or another group of people when in fact it's like it it's actually a very unnatural thing to do and yeah and it's no wonder that by the time a child is seven or eight years old they've lost touch with those types of you know mental states where the intuition is starting to wane and you know their imagination is still there but it's kind of watched over and directed by these uh by these curriculums by these you know teachers and stuff like that you know i don't really like public schools i'm very outspoken about that um and for the for the sheer fact that it's a part of this like system where these kids don't get to self-actualize and it's all just standardized for, here in the States, there's standardized testings and as early as the fourth grade, as far as I know, that's how early it was when I was in public schools. Uh, it was fourth grade back in 1999, like we're it's something called the MCAS it's a Massachusetts curriculum assessment uh, system or some crazy acronym. It's how it's old nuts. are children in the fourth grade? I was nine or ten. Yeah, yeah. Where's, so that pressure, the pressure. Oh yeah, like yeah. The, the pressure and why? Why is it okay for children to be tested like that? It's not like it's just not. You know, I don't know. I. I just, I see it as something that's very unnatural, you know, and these poor parents, they're like, you, you, you said something about like, it's like, they, it's almost like they don't even want their kids. Like, I got that impression. Like I get that impression a lot. This yeah. topic has actually had a direct effect on the relationship I have with members of my own family, Gino. 
they won't even yeah. like I'm I'm convinced that it's that it's part of why certain members of my family won't even talk to me anymore. It's insane. Instead of coming and so they're afraid I might be right. That's what I'm taking from it. <laughs> I don't know. But, yeah, like the level of trauma that it really is, kind it of is, thing. Yeah, it's traumatizing. Yeah. How yeah. how many kids do you think are out there where the first and the first violent interaction in their entire lives took place in a public school? Um, I would say, honestly, like that's a good question. I would probably be able to give like I'd like to do some research and get back to you on that, but uh, it's a lot, man. And I reckon their first violent interaction would be when they're a toddler, like when they're about when they just actually learned to use their body, and they're in and they're put into a childcare center. Um, and so between then and when you've asked at um, at that age in a in a sort of um, primary school or the fourth grade, between between babyhood and then, I would say every single person i would say probably every single person i could be wrong um some you know there are going to be exceptions to the rule but it comes down to how many human beings out there in the timeline understand the self self-defense principle and have spent the time with their young children not to teach them but for the young child to witness the correct behavior when the self-defense principle needs to be enacted upon and how many people out there in the world, uh, you know, in the last, I don't know how many years, like 50 years or whatever, have actually uh, gone through that experience and allowed that to go into their uh, their brain development and then come out at seven years old in the, con you know, fully conscious and then going, hey, I understand, like, it's not okay for anybody to do, to cause any harm to me for any reason. And I don't care what anybody, you know, I don't care what anybody thinks about that. See, the thing is that the, the, like the thing is if we're talking about causing harm then it would be 100 percent because the the, mm. the 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 forfeiture of your child to these education systems is in itself an act of harm and people don't understand that and mm. it, the the that type of language needs to start being used to try to teach some of these parents you know yeah. and, and like for anyone out there that's like maybe maybe gino maybe you share this around and to people that are unfamiliar with me i have children of my own so before you go oh this guy talking like he doesn't he doesn't know i know i have children of my own okay so there <laughs> and i would like to add to that because i met you at the round table discussion that we had for joe murray's uh show talking about atheism shout out joe and yeah, what's up? And uh, I, fucking Murray. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I also know about James with a capital K. I really know because uh, his children were uh, running around happy, happy as anything in the background, and James chose to leave them undisturbed. Uh, because James knows with a capital K, he knows that it's like the right thing to do. And the kids were so happy, and it really does. After just doing my teaching for like five years. It really makes me so happy to witness that, and I'm lucky to be next door in close quarters to another family that are that are, are quite are quite similar, and that they just let their kids play and have fun. And your kids just—it's just amazing. They're just nonstop having fun. I didn't hear like any, you know, one kilohertz, <laughs> you know, Cartman squealing like a pig thing. It was just happiness, and it made me really, really happy. So you obviously know. <laughs> Well, yeah, we, we know that playtime 
playtime is essential, right? Playtime is equal to learning time. Like it's it, the what they, they are one and the same. Children, the, the amount of potential is unlimited. The to to learn and play at the same time, it, it happens, and it's the best way to learn. You, I I try to put myself back in those shoes to understand a little bit better to be a little closer to my my son uh, my daughter's just a baby but my son is old enough where he is just an animal but i mean we do set boundaries as well and that's important that's important so um what would you say in your experience with children what would you say are healthy ways to set boundaries well um Everything I'll be saying uh, saying on the show is is for for young children um, between the ages of two and a half and around about seven years old. Oh, the formative years, some of the most important yeah, years. Okay. Yeah. So um, it's it's quite it's quite good to just be, you know, still be yourself. The important thing is to um, try and make time to engage with your young children. But I mean, you don't. You still have to have your own. You, what I'm trying to say is your children need to be able to experience you, uh, the parent or the adult as a guide to show them what kind of behavior is acceptable or not acceptable to another person. So, um, for example, uh, you know, I guess the big one is like seeing children just like trash all their parents' stuff and smash things and break them and blah, blah, blah. There is an element of like, you know, clumsiness and working on uh, gross motor skills and fine motor skills. But, um, you know, it's about, it's more about like um, being, being kind of honest with your feelings with your young child. So if they do something that is not okay and it does make you angry, they need to know, they need to know that that makes another person angry. And there is a sort of in the early childhood centers, there's a um, there's like a active a t- active effort out there to obfuscate uh, emotional responses to young children because it can be seen as kind of like an act of aggression or something like that. So if a child does something that you don't like, you have a and it's causing you harm or your property harm, you have a right to stop them and you can physically stop them without actually getting out the belt and beating the crap out <laughs> you know like you can just literally it is similar to like um dare i say it's similar to and i don't know too much about this but it is similar to like appropriate like uh appropriate dog training appropriate dog training not rubbing a dog's nose and feces when they pull over the floor you know accidents accidents but like you're not gonna go i don't want you to go up and play with my i don't know this is a bad example my expensive porcelain thing on on the mantelpiece i'm not okay with that because i don't want to have to take you down to the hospital if you fall onto the tiles and then your toddler's like nah stuff that i'm going up there you have a right to physically restrain them and stop them and uh they just are going to have to accept that and if you're not happy about it they have to see it on your face you can't there's a sort of eggshell thing that i see uh with adults and young children like oh no no and deep down you're like oh fuck's sake right there's a balance there's a balance i guess what i i guess my point is we've all been brought into this control system we're all sort of living on the prison planet it's pretty stuffed up out there so we can't we have to sort of 
We have to be aware of, you know, how bad it is. We have to be aware of how messed up we are. We have to be aware of, you know, how traumatic, you know, how tiny little infractions to a young child are extremely traumatic. But we have to accept that. But then we have to just like try our best to get on with it and get involved. So we have to be forgiving of ourselves too. So it's okay, I think, to, it's okay to make mistakes. It's just about uh, recognizing just the right you know what's what's right about young children and what's important and spending time spending time with them and allowing them to play and not expecting um not you know trying to get them to do stuff um you know uh, in my, in or my at least not trying too much i've had a lot of um, experience with the the cause and effect lately seeing how my like i've mentioned my son's five so I've had a lot of experience lately of cause and effect. Now, you know, five-year-olds, they, they hit this stride of rebelliousness. Like they, they want to push boundaries. They, they want to test out the world around them because of how much of it they are absorbing at one time. So it's hard for them to put blinders on and focus in on one thing at a time because they're being bombarded with the world, the elements of everything going on around them. And they're so sponge-like that it's, there's no filtering process of one thing at a time. I've experienced that. So the big thing with me lately has been, you know, okay, I can say something until I'm blue in the face. I also could stop them. I could stop him. You know, I could um, give him a, I could just pick him up and give him a big old bear hug and talk his ear off uh, and tell him about how bad that action could have been for him. Obviously what I'm saying is situational. It's circumstantial depending on what it is there he's about to get into. But I also kind of want to let him go and do it. Because I can say, hey, man, that's not a good idea. And if he chooses not to listen to me, that's his choice. And he's going to go and do that. And maybe I'm right. Maybe I'm not. Maybe he learns a way to pull that thing off and get away with it. And it's like, okay, well, still just be careful because you could get hurt. Maybe he gets hurt. It's a kind of a gain of trust situation where we're in this relationship, right? And it's a new relationship. I have experienced it the child doesn't and I can convey that experience to him. Is he really going to believe me? Because no, I don't think he will because he hasn't had that experience yet. So he's going to go and have that experience. Perhaps I warned him about it. And if it goes the way that I said it would go, well, now I've gained some trust. So maybe next time he's more apt to listen to me when I say, Hey man, maybe that's not a good idea. I I'm, you know, I'm his, I'm his steward, you know, like, yeah. I, you know what I mean? Like I, I'm his, I'm his guide through this yeah. mess called life. And it's, that's my job. <laughs> that's my job. It's like, it's like I was prescribed be the belief of you're going to grow up and have children. That was, I'm being completely honest with, with you, Gino. Like I come from a very small family. My name is, my last name is very uncommon. I, there's not many of me in my last name in the United States. I think right at this moment, I'm one of five uh, blood relatives uh, with my last name. 
And so I guess I'm trailing off here, but I guess uh, what I was saying was, is that I was, and I'm the last born male. So it's like, oh, you're going to have kids to pass on the family name. That was something that was told to me. I think that's very unhealthy, but I went and Mm. I went and did it, but I did it out of love and I wouldn't have had kids if I didn't think I was ready to, but I was kind of, it was kind of pressed into me a little bit. What do you, what do you think about like, uh, about that whole thing? Like parents that are just having kids because it was told to them that that's just what you do. That's what, that's what I actually, yeah, I really kind of rebelled against in a way because I, I, I kind of felt like, uh, you know, it was just, you know, you go to school and you go to university then you you get married and start having kids and i really did see people that i was just kind of i just couldn't un, i couldn't understand it and i felt like when i got out of my most of my education i felt like man this is like day one because you go out there and i started making i started making proper life mistakes and i was like shit it's like i was just born yesterday and it's almost i felt like it was almost literally like that so i was i you know and on the on the other side of the coin you could say that i was afraid to have children and yeah I, you know I, I thought i'd be i was afraid of what would happen to them while i go through my own deal with my own trauma and my own suffering and stuff but um i know exactly what you're saying and then there's also that whole <clears throat> it's almost I, I always felt like it was a bit of like in a place of ego like you know you must carry on the the bloodline or the heritage or the family name and that and and that kind of thing and um but to go back to your steward, uh, your word steward that you said, that's, that's the most important. I, I, I really understand that what you, what you were just saying before, I, I really understand the link and how that all links up and what you're saying. I really get that. And um, that like the thing, you're, the stuff you're mentioning about like what the boundaries are and, and how to act the, I, I do think there is like not really a gray area, but there's like, there's room for everybody's own individual experience to come out and it's part of their learning too. Um, because it's an environmental thing as well. I, I, this just comes at my mind. So I'll just share it. I mean, there's, uh, I, I sort of, if people don't know about it, I would recommend having a little look just to get a perspective on, you know, cult, like cultural perspective on, uh, ch- children and, and how that, how well they can do, um, there's a there's a sort of I don't know if it's a movement, but it's like Norwegian uh, forest schools, and they have uh, I don't know if you've heard about them, but they they started about I think they start from preschool and they go up to about damn I can't really I can't really um, can't really say which age, but they literally they literally just drop the kids off at um, the forest and they have like a steward. He's the teacher, but he's clearly not a teacher because he doesn't teach them anything. The forest teach, teaches them and they, and it was like a controversial documentary because they're like, how many kids have you got here? And he's got like, you know, I know he's like, I've got quite a few, like 20 odd. And how old's the youngest? The youngest is like two and a half. And where are they now? And they're like, oh, they're just in the forest. And they're like, oh my God, we can't hear them. And even I think like the camera person was like starting to panic a bit. And they're like, aren't the, where are the parents? Oh, they're all at work. And uh, he's like, come on, we'll go and see what they're up to. So they start like venturing out into the forest. And at the top of a pine tree, there's like this sort of like five-year-old at the very top of a pine tree swinging the thing like this. And like the, the people, the people doing the documentary, they were shitting bricks, man. They could, they couldn't handle it. And the guy's just like, oh, it's fine. They've like, 
you you know and it's like um and a teaching strategy is scaffolding but the scaffolding it was like literal scaffolding like you know the two-year-old becomes the three-year-old gets better motor skills and then gets interested in climbing and tries the first branch then the next day the second branch before you know it that uh that five-year-old has developed a deep relationship and like you know dare i say friendship with that particular tree and he's at the top and he's like just in unison with like the dynamic of like the tree and how how it can react to him climbing to the top they went further into the forest and the two and a half year old they were speaking of was with a whole bunch of other children and that and they're at the edge of i don't know the correct name for this but it was basically a lake but the lake had it was like a heavy drop so if the young child or children were to fall in they would literally drown there was just no you know there was no incline on the thing and those children uh, and those toddlers and children that were there weren't really weren't directly being supervised but they had kind of been scaffolded to a point where they were kind of okay with being around there and it was just like it just over time and that cultural viewpoint and that part of Norway where it's just how everybody did it kind of thing uh it just was always normal and just once you know young children being connected to nature i guess the point is it's quite it's quite it's 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 really hard to imagine how capable young children are and even when i say that like i i never really said that to many people because even when i'm saying it i'm like shit gino should you really say that like do you want to put your name to that like because you know one of those kids could have fallen in like you know something could have happened you know something very much could have happened but i guess in the inverse of that in the early childhood education environment with these bunch of teachers that are just doing it for a wage or maybe like in new zealand especially one of the immigration criteria we've got a lot of immigration in auckland city you know a lot of a lot of people that's one of the only jobs they can do a lot of mums that come to the country so there's a lot of dispassionate people just doing it for a wage and avoiding everything and they're crammed into these small rooms there's all these like unnatural resources around there's all this danger really that's not uh there's nothing there's hardly anything natural about it and then once the kids get out into the forest or the bush it just seems to be it just seems to be like the sort of just it's okay it's just what is and I think the Norwegian uh, forest school movement, uh, dare I say, really highlights the capability of young children. And just to add one little thing onto that is uh, one thing I've always been surprised with um, in all my time in the early childhood uh, center is um, the, the, the centers that do allow woodworking with hammers and saws. I have never had, uh, I've never experienced any uh, toddler or child have an accident with a hammer all with a saw and you know two to three year olds with limited you know or restricted or not fully developed uh you know fine and gross motor skills using that and the saw it just it's that's frightening that's like a little mini challenge for me when i when i was in the centers to not freak out over kids wielding hammers while they're while they're trying to build something and and wielding these um hacksaws uh i've never seen any child ever get injured and these centers were you know extremely chaotic and you know potent places that like you know had a lot of had a lot of things going on 
Yeah, there's something to be said about like um, risk exposure for for children. You know, it, it's. I think it, I I I can get a, I can get on with the idea that it should be monitored. You know, um, but I also lean toward definitely having an amount of risk exposure for young children. It could very well prepare them later on in life. And it could be said, and you know, I will I, I will say it that this you know padded room cushy upbringing that a lot of children have you think you're protecting them but i don't know it doesn't seem like they're getting ready for the future of of you know potential hardships in their lives you know um as you've mentioned like you know self-defense for instance like you know when they're saying things like it doesn't matter who started it when maybe a couple of children get into a scuffle you know it's like actually uh that is the only question that fucking matters in all of this yeah. is who started it because oh, man. that you know that's how we're gonna figure out you know who's right and wrong here and the child that in this situation that was defending themselves should not be punished because defense is not something that's that should be punished you're disempowering a child by doing that you're taking away their ability to be confident when they're exposed to a risk or whether it be a risk in nature or even a risk of like a social interaction um what happens when somebody aggresses on your on your rights and makes you uh makes you you know or makes you mm. or puts you sorry puts you in this situation where you you know you're you're in danger you need children need to learn that i i, I firmly firmly believe that the younger you can instill those two principles into a child, the non-aggression principle and the self-defense principle, the sooner you can teach a child that, I really, I, I, I really think that the children that learn that early grow up to be a lot more leveled out and they're able to stand on their own two feet in their power as much as they have and know the difference between right and wrong. You know, um, one hundred percent, man. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. You got it. So, anyways, um, so are you still in early childhood care? Are you still in that? No, field? no. Okay. No. Yeah, okay. I. Yeah, I. Um, I. I definitely gave up on that. It started to. Um, it just. It just started to become literally too. Too dangerous. Um, I. I actually narrowly avoided um, uh, a false uh, a false sexual assault uh, charge claim made against me, and I had to, yeah, man, I had to do the, like go into the police station and everything, and um, I was just I was just horrified, and I actually never told I haven't really told anyone, so you're one of the first people to know, um, because like you know you're cool and we're all on the same page, but I mean I started to, what I'm trying to say is what I started to learn is people around me like i was really protected spiritually and also just by others in my life around um doing this job and uh 
what sort of started to unfold over the years that I was doing this was that uh, a lot of people were really, a lot of people involved in the industry were really struggling and worried about how everything was going. And in hindsight, I was kind of making a positive effect and making a positive change. And I was being protected, um, you know, sort of bureaucratically by managers and stuff like that who believed in me and really uh, appreciated the work that I did. And over those years, the legislation became uh, became more strict and tougher. And towards the end, it was like basically like if you um, – if you're seen with your hand like on a child in any capacity, that's um, that's serious assault. And I'm I'm down there literally doing like you know play fighting, uh, you know WWF wrestling or whatever, uh, you know like that that kind of thing. And like if someone's attacking another child, I'm physically pulling them away. Or if somebody's stuck somewhere, I'm going to help them to get out if they actually can't do it themselves. So I was making a lot of physical contact and, um, you know, back to the puppy training, like it is a physical, it is a physical thing and, and children learn through play, especially physical play and for the boys. And that was kind of like the idea, like the places that really wanted me to work there, they liked that um, I, I was giving that support to the boys. But then little did I know, each year the legislation got worse and worse and I kind of didn't care because I was like, man, I know I'm playing with fire because I'd already been, you know, there's all kinds of risque, like it was, not risque, risky, which, you know, is viewed as risque to like, you know, some, you know, adults couldn't handle it. Like people would, people would pull their children out of the center after seeing me there. Um, I just started to learn that like um, how I was with young children was very uh, polarizing and controversial and um, that's why I don't talk about it because I can kind of hear there is there's always like an innuendo because like say if someone says hey I love children well that can be taken two different ways you know what I mean and actually that's what I was kind of yeah. interested in yeah because like you know the satanists and how much they love you know the the, mm. the 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 oligarchs that run the world they you know this is the thing that kept me going in this job because they actually love our kids on a whole, they love our kids more than we do. All the missing children out there in the world, and what these oligarchs are really got, what what is really going on, it's a fine line. And they actually care about they care about our kids really more than we do. Uh, and it starts with that abandonment in the centres. But I got um, basically someone just yeah. Sorry. <laughs> unpack that Sorry. a little bit more. What do they? What do you? What do you mean they care about our kids more than we do? Well, in terms of like dark care, they are aware of the potent spiritual aspect and how um, how young children are in the, essentially the veil of God. Um, they are in the hands of God, but they're walking around on this mortal plane that they want to dominate, and they want to you know they want to destroy God, they want to annihilate God, and they they love that young children are of God, and you know they're. I guess their care, it's a dark care because they are actually aware of the power of children and they want to use and abuse that power in the inversion. And I guess what I try to say is that like the secret kindergarten stuff that I'm trying to do and say, which involves phys physical engagement with your young children, is exactly the inversion of their inversion. So it's the reversion back to true care, true love, 
true engagement where repetitive physical interactions with young children can be taken two different ways and they so like it to sounds do like it sounds like you 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 grew to understand that their methods were were basically raising weak people and you saw a way to kind of counteract that by helping uh children understand the physical power they have and learning on the physical plane can lead to a better understanding of the mental plane in my opinion so the physical power can lead to mental strength as well vice versa it depends on a certain person's maybe predisposed skill set or something like that but it sounds like you grew to an understanding where you might have seen something like that at play yeah maybe? well no absolutely absolutely that and um just to be I guess I'm just not being so direct because I'm trying not to be vulgar, but you know, okay, so like satanic, the satanic, you know, quote unquote satanic pedophile network, they take the children, they do all kinds of horrific, torturous and sexual things to them. And that's a, that's a physical engagement with young children in their dark care or their inversion of care. But one thing I noticed is like, uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is um, in, in, in the culture, at least here, it's, it's a bit more of a rare observation to be physically engaged. Like, you know, say having a play fight with a boy, um, you know, that it's almost like all of that's get, has been, ta is being taken over to the side of darkness where like, that's inappropriate, but uh, we have free will choice and we have discernment and there is a right or wrong and children are you know magical and powerful and there is a right way to engage but in a sense there's just like there's a lot of things you could say like i love children uh and that can be an innuendo if if that's if that's if that makes sense i, I guess it's just well, like i mean i i've kind of a like i i've uh i i don't like children i i i like people Mm. and children are just little people i heard that for that saying for the first time from a man named john taylor gatto um and he is like a pioneer of the unschooling uh method if you will yep i yep. suggest anyone that hasn't heard of john john taylor gatto look into his books and um, perhaps start out by listening to the five hours of the ultimate history lesson, um, which is an interview that Richard Grove gave to John Taylor Gatto, uh, maybe about a decade ago. And it's five hours, five different hours. So five, five, uh, parts, five hours in total. Um, and it's, it's absolutely enlightening when you're, asking the question of why why do these school systems exist why you know why do they why do they want to do these things with the kids and stuff like that like it's it's absolutely it, it's like something that i think a lot of people need to listen to to kind of get a different perspective on it and not believe everything but kind of go and do some of the work yourself but um yeah i mean saying i i love children i see what you mean i yeah I, you know as a as a man myself like it's like uh i i've caught in looks too it's like how how is he down there on the level with these kids is something's not right and it's like well because i'm i'm not detached from it 
Uh, yeah. You know, like I didn't, I didn't get programmed uh, out of it, you know, <laughs> sorry, <Yeah. laughs> sorry that, sorry that your programming makes you feel uncomfortable with me not being programmed like you. And I yeah. understand these kids and it makes you uncomfortable because I, I've always yeah. kind of, I've always kind of felt like they're maybe, a, maybe jealous. Like I wish I could understand my kids that way, but there's James over there playing playing with my kids like it's no big deal you know yeah like i'm 33 years old and i i can still run circles around some of these five-year-olds at my <laughs> it's like yeah yeah it, yeah it, it's fun for me and it's fun for them yeah. too you know yeah. i don't know uh, i appreciate that man you you articulated it well i was kind of struggling to sort of explain that but this this innuendo thing um i just that that sort of pressure got stronger and um Basically, what happened was um, some parents, you know, they saw who I was and how I was, and you know, they just kept that as the ace up their sleeve, and they they owed the center a lot of money for fees because these centers are quite relaxed about chasing up the money, and they owed a lot of money, and then they just played the well, you know, my daughter said this, that, and the other thing, and I've called the police, and actually, the only thing that stopped me from going to jail from just what one person literally said, like literally lied about was just like all these tick boxes at the center just bureaucratic ticks on the box and they could have been that those ticks on the box could have been forged by some dispassionate person who wasn't paying attention didn't really care and if someone that day forgot to tick these boxes i would literally i would literally be in jail and i tried to like do stuff about that like counter sue and then the cops like kicked me out of the police station and they were really angry and i was just like fuck this because like they didn't say i was innocent they didn't say I was not guilty. They just said, oh, well, I'm satisfied. We don't have to pursue the case any further. Um, you know, we're closing the case. And I was like, it doesn't sound like not guilty. And then they started like kicking off and then I started kicking off. And anyway, and after that, I was like, man, I'm done with this place because also I had to go to like a sort of a hearing for um, a colleague that was being charged with uh, physical assault on a child for dragging okay i accept that maybe that's not totally appropriate but he was he was doing something pretty bad and she sort of physically grabbed him by the arm and pulled him to the door and it's really just politics like you're in an environment where if like someone's just like an asshole and they don't like you they can just play the game and go hey that was really bad actually i'm gonna go make a report about that and i mean i i get that there are bad things that go on and and, and that kind of thing but i started to really realize hey this is not <laughs> this is just like fully not safe like i narrowly avoided going to jail and like these aren't my kids and you can't fight it from the inside and i just sort of felt like man i'm yeah i'm just done with, i'm done with this and i sort of felt like i've given up on the kids but um and i just i don't know if we have time but i had a couple of things to say about like the animals because i sort of went and uh you know with my newfound appreciation for the animal kingdom thanks to the young children I started pursuing a few things with my, you know, my now developed intuition by doing these, building my patience um, by engaging with young children in, in different games, like, you know, say, for example, pushing a child on the swing, but trying to make it interesting and maybe do a little twist or a turn or, you know, put on little voices or just, you know, do things to make it fun for the kid and keep yourself engaged. And that sort of space is a really uh, strong, like is a, is a, is an environment that you, you would really develop 
your intuition and what really did happen to me, like the reward I got for doing this was my intuition just really, really skyrocketed. And I started to understand that how, when I started to figure out what was going on in the world, the synchronicities were really happening because I was engaged in, you know, with all these people, uh, which is the best word to use, uh, you know, these young people that are in the hands of God. So I was really tapping into the spiritual world. And while I was trying to do the right thing and learning about natural law and thinking, how can I apply that? I think like that's where you really start to get the help. And I, my intuition really, really grew. And I left, I left the teaching and I started to work um, part-time at a, um, at a pet food shop and uh, the pet food shop, they, support uh it's like a it's raw food so they support a raw feeding um, protocol for like optimal health for cats and dogs and uh just just a quick note to say you know also the importance i did see your cat walking past um that you know that's important for you know we we mentioned before the show like the strength of the family unit to really bolster that because um people need to feel uh significant included and powerful, which is a sort of a spiritual kind of, um, you know, um, you know, a, a mystical view of the person and how they need to feel on planet Earth, and and to say that having a pet dog and a pet cat in the family um, is really important to help support the young children to feel significant, included, and powerful when the parents in this tough and challenging world with their own problems and and dramas and worries uh, don't get to fill in those gaps um, that's when the dog and the cat can step in and help out and just to say about the raw feeding the raw feeding really uh, mitigates um, a lot of the arguments um, that are against having animals in the household when there are young children around due to um, things like toxoplasmosis I think from cats and yeah, that's bacterial what it is. Yeah, bacterial stuff and uh, raw feeding your cat and your dog uh, really mitigates uh, any of these uh, potential arguments for why um, cats and dogs should not be included in the family with young children around. Um, if they're fed an appropriate diet, that actually really kind of turns that on its head. Yeah. Hmm. Well, we've always had, uh, we, I've always been around animals like my whole life. Uh, you know, when I was a child, there were, there were cats and dogs around and my children, you know, there have been cats and we had a dog at one point, but you, sometimes you, you know, you, you don't take chances. And, uh, the dog that we had showed a little bit of aggression toward our newborn. And uh, I had to ask a friend to adopt the dog. We don't take chances. That's the point that I'm making. Like it, so, you know, I, 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 I hear what you're saying that there's, yeah. that there's like a, the, the animals being the kids and the animals interacting together, you know, these domesticated, they don't even have to be domesticated animals. Like we go on mm. nature, we go on nature walks all the time. Like they see animals in nature, you come home and see animals in the house. There's a connection there between the wildlife and the children. And it creates like this relationship, an, a, another type of, an, another relationship with nature um there's a certain amount of compassion that these animals show yeah and that's i think the relationship with the with nature like that part of that relationship that the animals bring to the children is you know my cats will be around the kids and jameson will that's my son will go up to one of our cats and pat 
pat the cat and you know give a treat or something like i think i can't remember the last time we actually gave the cats treats because a lot like a lot of the treats are just filled with garbage and we want to we want to give our cats good food you know so it, but it's interesting to see the children's interaction with animals um it's really the compassion that the animals show the children is there's almost like a reflection it's a, a, the children learn compassion for animals it's like a it's just this relationship between the two it's it's really interesting to see yeah like you know to uh yeah I man i was going with that I, I no no i no i know i know exactly what you mean i think uh insects especially are very important in a way they kind of they they, they do sort of sacrifice themselves um you know you're saying about cause and effect and um you know young young children will sort of learn like uh you know what happens when i do this to this worm or butterfly that i've caught or whatever and um yeah they can cause a bit of damage there but i think well, we've we, i mean in my house like i've i've actually like had bugs come in the house and we catch and release and that's I, awesome i i you know oh squish it oh yeah uh, uh it's a no 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 we'll catch it catch and release and it well why well he that, that insect it, they didn't do anything to hurt us. It's a living thing. Yeah. You know, and, and it's like this look of wonder and like uh, across my son's face, like, and he, he goes, hmm, you know, yeah, you're right. You know, and he goes, you're right. That's amazing. And we go and we get the bug and we put it back outside or even a mouse. If a mouse gets in the house, you, dad, 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 uh, the, the cat, the, you know, the cat's got a mouse. And I go over and I catch the mouse and I get it up, I get it outside and you know, hey, cats are gonna do what cats are gonna do, but if we can if we can get the mouse out of here, let's get the mouse out of here, you know. Give that little guy another another day, <laughs> another fighting chance, you know. But it's That's amazing. It, it, it's I don't know. I, I think that with the with like the way the world is these days, it seems like this whole like this detachment that a lot of children seem to have like I, I don't know i can't i'm i'm only in my house i only have my kids you know but it almost seems like these so i guess i'm drawing from what it looks like with other kids that grew up that are in my age bracket maybe you're uh, maybe like a generation you know after mine it just seems like there's no care for wildlife. It, it, like the, the, the ratio is off by a lot. People that care versus people that don't in terms of yeah. wildlife. And it's like the first chance you have to really instill in a child what it means to take a life, or what it means to save one, non-aggression type of behavior especially toward animals because they're defenseless and that's a bold statement coming from me because i eat meat and uh i'm you know i'm, I'm i feel guilty I, I, and i want to stop and i'm working toward it but it's just 
I don't know. I feel like I'm overstepping my boundaries talking like that sometimes, you know, it's just like, Oh, this guy eats meat and he's talking about not hurting animals. It's like, well, I'm conscious of it, you know, like I, I guess is some somewhere along the line. Part of my point is like being conscious of the harm you're causing versus just thinking that this Exit. is just how things is. This is just how things are. It's like, well, the, you realize that like you're participating in this like wicked system of harm, you know, and people are like, no, those are, those are just animals. We have the, we don't though, we don't have the right to harm them. And that's something I'm trying to teach my children too. And it's like, but it's hard to do when part of our diet is eating the flesh of dead animals. It's so fun. Yeah. Um, I don't but know. Acceptance, acceptance is the main is like, you know, is the most important part and on joe murray's uh carnism show that he did recently uh you know he's saying like he doesn't care if like he almost doesn't really care if people do eat meat he just wants to them to accept that it isn't it isn't okay and i got like i don't know how long we got i got i got a lot to say about that i mean what i was starting off with the insects and saying how like you know um you know what well, in the early childhood centers you know like catching a kid kind of torturing a fly or, a, you know, a, a butterfly or something. And they're learning about that. There is an element of, um, and which sounds really apologist, but like, you know, there is an element of like, you know, animals, well, they are here to teach us and they do have forgiveness and they do have uh, spirit. And I like the Rudolf Steiner, like his sort of, um, spiritual science of the whole thing where all, all like all the dogs in the world equal one soul and there is like a a dog spirit you know that is kind of you know where like the all the dogs on the planet are like all the fingers and toes of the dog spirit and they're all connected to the one to the one dare i say entity and um i think all these animals and insects and stuff are here to teach us and to provide us messages and I think like, you know, accepting that it's wrong to kill them and eat them is like, is like, that's what they really want us to know. And we've been brought into this world where it's all totally normalized and stuff. And, and our, our goal is our journey out of that. And as you know, like Joe Murray mentioned in his carnism show that it's not, it's not like, oh, tomorrow you can just start eating lentils and just give everything up. Your physiology couldn't couldn't cope with that so you're gonna like everyone would have to sort of be a hypocrite quote unquote in that sense uh to move to move forward because i do so what i've been doing is uh intuitive and shaman stuff since i had worked with the kids and we had done stuff like saving bees because they get stranded in the center because of all the artificial grass or brightly colored paint and they come looking for nectar and then they get lost and lose their energy and you can bring them back with some sugar sugar syrup and, and that kind of thing and uh, doing that you know you still get you, you get you get your karma back in that regard as well and once you once you're aware and start trying to sort of come off it like how you're saying you still eat meat I mean I, I still I still do too like I, I still haven't been able to sort of turn down whatever my mum puts on my plate when I go and visit her you know what I mean but at home I'm home I'm vegetarian and uh, so I still have to give up eggs and, and that kind of thing. But I do know it's wrong and I do a lot of stuff for the animals. And, um, you know, I guess like not to say it's right to eat meat, but we can remember that they care about us and they want to teach us. And that's why they're here. And, and also uh, they, 
they kind of eat each other too. So <laughs> it's not, it's not that it's okay for us to do because we're, we're better than that. And, uh, and it's more like, that's like, that's part of the journey. Yeah. 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 It's just a big, it, it's, it's a, it's a stunning realization to like, you know, your part, like we, we've sitting here talking about the non-aggression principle, the self-defense principle, all mm. this great stuff, right? It's really great. It's like really important, you know, it's probably some of the most important things. It's probably like two of the most important principles to understand and live according to. Meanwhile, we're, you know, participating in this system of, this this like cycle of like death and con consuming animal dead animal flesh <laughs> it's it's all it's it's like i i don't know i i've made i've made steps to to uh distance myself from that behavior like i've dropped a few things out of my diet and it's like okay you like you know like our friend joe was talking about you gotta it's almost like he's saying like you gotta wean yourself off of it you know mm. even mark passio has said that he's like look you can't just wake up tomorrow and be like i'm not gonna do this anymore it's like well okay get to that state of mind where you don't want to do it anymore but to actually physically stop doing it it's like you can't do it overnight you're gonna fail so here's yeah. here's a stepwise progression to get yourself off of that path and back onto a more righteous one you know i don't know yeah. where, where i don't know how we got to this topic <laughs> it's okay it's okay but it's just like you know i don't know it's um it, i guess it's you know it's all about it's all about non-aggression right it's it's all about the these these poor defenseless animals being slaughtered and we're eating them like i can't uh, well, to bring it back to like, um, you know, it's a very terrorizing. It's a, it's a it's a mentally terrorizing thing to to be thinking of. Like you look down, like I, I look down when I have it on my when I have meat on my plate. I look down and I'm like, and I say like a little prayer, like a little thank you, and I I just want to be better. I'll leave it at that. I, I'm just talking myself into guilt. <laughs> ah, man. Well. I don't want to sound like I'm enabling you, but being grateful for what's on your plate, and especially if it was an animal, that's, I think that's one of the, the ways forward to, like, I think that bloom, that's a way to make it bloom. And I think this sort of senseless, like pounding Big Macs and stuff like that, where it's kind of like, you can't even see that you, it's, it's like the suffering of the animal. It's so far removed. You can't even see it or almost you know, have any chance of experiencing that, like the process that like, you know, from, from, well, farm or, you know, pen to plate, um, just to say sort of like, you know, like, um, people talk about eco, uh, spirituality where how we've been saying just on, on this podcast, like, um, you know, children and, and nature and stuff like that. And, and, uh, you know, maybe that's where we got it. Like, that's sort of where we, we want to try and get back to. And maybe, you know, in the, in that process going fully that way, that eating meat in a more, uh, in a more connected way is what's really gonna, um, push us all to the place where we know we need to go. And in, in terms of non-aggression, like if we're actually, 
in nature working in the garden with our kids and then you know you got a cow on the farm or whatever and you're like all right time to time to prepare dinner you know like let's go and get the i don't even know how they do it and let's go and get the axe and <laughs> uh you know that's how far removed yeah. from it i am and i've eaten so much beef and i i you know I've eaten so much beef and I don't really know like exactly. I know they do the electrocution thing, but I don't really even want to talk of... about that. Sorry, man. <laughs> I, I, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's not good. We're participating in this, uh, this harm to defenseless creatures who we could just as easily defend and protect and give good life to. Instead, we're using them for some kind of, I don't know. It's, seems to be more and more evident that it's unnecessary yeah and we're uh, we're we're taking that in and we're we're going to pay the price for that eventually but karma does forgive those who repent <laughs> i guess or maybe i'm saying it wrong but you know repenting and you can make up for that i i just i don't know how we got here but <laughs> uh so um, i well i moved from yeah i moved from children to, to animals and then i guess uh you know you well you you mentioning um you know uh when you know insects and stuff come in the house and you do catch and release yeah. uh, i was i was hoping to ask you like would you would you say that it was just that one time and it, you didn't really tell your son what to do but you kind of gave him an affirmation like you know we're going to just chuck him back and would you say that like it was just that one time and then you kind of just empowered uh, your son to just do what he kind of probably already really knew was the right thing to do would you would you probably say that that's what happened well the fact that the question was raised about you know i mean it's yeah you know it's not it, what do we oh squish it no 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 like no we don't do that like that's not that's not necessary he hasn't this this creature hasn't done anything to harm us so let's just get him out of here you know sure we're inside it, this creature doesn't know you know it's not done anything mm. to harm us so let's just gather him up and get him outside where where they where they belong and it was yeah. you know it was this kind of look on my son's face like it just like kind of clicked like yeah that makes sense yeah yeah you know, I think that it's like this instinctual thing where, and that's where I, I, that this is where it like really makes sense about these principles is like, well, do we have the right? Yeah, we do. We have, we absolutely do because it's like you have this instinct to when somebody's causing you harm and you feel in danger to get yourself to a place where you're not in danger, whether that be running away or taking, your power that you have and physically stopping the danger, the, the aggression, you know? Um, so it's like the reflection of that is like, you know, these creatures that are defenseless, like they're not doing anything to harm us. And it's like, it just, it looked like he was like, that makes sense. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't like, no, no, no like some, I don't yeah, know. yeah. No, you don't we, have to remind him. <laughs> right yeah so it was um, like you know it was just something that that seemed to just make sense to him you know and now we now we do the best we can you know we we do the best we can with with everything sometimes 
you know, that the, sometimes there are mistakes where, you know, trying to catch the little critter is not as successful and, you know, oh, oh no, like, you know, we didn't make it. The cat gets the mouse or, you know, whatever. We do our best. And I think that that, that I think that that early education of like, don't harm uh, something with someone or a creature that hasn't harmed you you know, is important, you know, and it's very important to, so to go back to something that you were talking about earlier, I think it's very like, I think it's very important to, uh, uh, the feats of strength for children, you know, like, uh, to, to, you know, my son loves wrestling. He, he loves doing that kind of stuff. And I, and I wrestle with him and it's just like, okay, you know, and he's like, he he's like, oh, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna come over there, and I'm like, okay, come over here, <laughs> like, let's go. <laughs> and we, like, you, all right, don't start none, won't be none. Then like, he knows, <laughs> he 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 knows that he says that actually, he says that in his little his little kid voice, don't start none, won't be none, and like he does karate chops and stuff like that, and doing flying elbows and. You know, like things like that. It's 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 fun for him to test that boundary. You know, to, to mm. test it, to test his strength. I see the amount of power that he has, and he's gonna grow into that power and know what it is. He's gonna be aware of his physical abilities to get shit done when push comes to shove, and he's also going to know restraint, self control is a big thing and that's something that i think not a lot of people have it's dangerous a society the society we have is dangerous people don't have self-control it leads to these power vacuums where people step in and say well you can't control yourself i might as well control you for you so here's yeah. the here's the rules or here are the the laws you know like of course there are rules but there doesn't need to be rulers. This lack of self-control is what brings on these rulers. And that door gets opened very early on in every generation. What do you think? Yeah. It's kind of like the false flag of life. Like, oh, you, you know... We did what we could to like help you raise you, you know, the state. We tried to do all this, and now you can't look at you. You still can't control yourself. So now we have to be really tyrannical when really it's all just been obfuscated from us at the very beginning. I don't know how things go in New Zealand, but I can definitely assure you that here in America, the state has no interest in raising people into their power because that would mean that they wouldn't be necessary anymore. So what they do is they attack people mentally and they, they cripple people mentally. And that leaves open this door for, for, uh, I don't know how you would refer to it. Like these, these mommy and daddy issues where there's yeah. this, uh, these abandonment issues in place and the state jumps in as these proxy parents. And if it's not the state, then it's Hollywood. And if it's not Hollywood, then I don't know. I, I don't know, but all these all these replacements for what's supposed to be natural, which is your mom and dad are supposed to raise you. Yeah, 
and it's this like perpetuated it's like this perpetual like thing like this cycle that goes on they don't here in the states they they everything is physical health they don't care about mental health they medicate that away it's just it's just treat the symptoms don't cure the disease um i mean the pharmaceutical industry in the united states is probably the largest one in the entire fucking world uh the united states develops drugs and then sells them to other countries for a profit or not even a profit but you know what whatever it doesn't the money doesn't matter the fact of the matter is is that they develop these drugs to get people on them to perpetuate these abandonment issues and these dependency issues that a lot of people suffer from these days when it's like the only person that you should really be dependent on is yourself uh for society of people like grew into that power where every individual was solely dependent like they could depend on themselves okay like yeah you have small communities and families and stuff where people you know support systems and things like that which is absolutely 100 needed in order to gain that power within yourself but like when you get to this point in time where those structures don't exist anymore because they've been slowly dissolved over the course of time by these control freaks that put themselves in power and convince people that their power is legitimate, which it's not. They create these problems and then those problems create these other problems which feed into each other. And it all starts with the kids and it all starts with parents putting their, it's, it's like, Oh, how could, how could the solution be that simple? But it, it is these parents that, put their kids in schools that are run by the state and the state brings them up, you know, it's, it's just this terrible cycle. I've, in my experience, I've, I, I have been through public schools. I didn't graduate from high school. I dropped out when I was, I don't know, 16. I was held back a couple of times and uh i didn't make it very far uh, so the programming didn't really set in for me so having children of my own i like i was put on ssris when i was a young man i was probably nine or ten years old when they put me on heavy like these these drugs that fucked me up man they fucked me for, they fucked me up and and like it's really bad um like think of all the violent situations that happen with these children that are put on SSRIs like Adderall and Ritalin shit like that. Like it's not good for a human body to be taking in such heavy doses of medication when their body's not even fully developed yet. The rest of their body is developing around these molecules that are being put into them. These unnatural things that are being put into them because these kids can't fit into these boxes that are created by the state yeah like you know everything's compartmentalized and these kids like that don't fit into those boxes because it's so unnatural there are kids that break the mold like these star seed children like what you know whatever you want to call these kids like like they they are not like no child is meant to be put in that state um into the into those under those conditions like there no child is meant for that it's a big problem and, and it's not my opinion it's just a fact it's a big fucking problem like we talked about a little earlier like how many kids is like the first exposure to violence that they get is in a public school how many kids do we see on the news getting in 
getting into altercations with not only students, but with teachers in these schools, the teachers that are abusing children, the kids that are abusing each other in these state-run facilities. How many times do we see, and call it what you will, I don't give a fuck if you think it's a false flag or a hoax or whatever, but these, you know, these mass shootings at schools, like your Columbines and Parklands and stuff like that, children are dying, you know, whoever's mm -hmm. pulling the trigger, I don't know, but these kids are dying. It's terrible. Like in the arguments always gun control. It's never, why don't we just stop sending our kids to fucking public schools? <laughs> like, why not? Why not that? Why don't we stop medicating our children? Because a lot of these kids that are pulling off these stunts, they're on heavy medications. These kids that did the Columbine thing, they were on SSRIs. They were, you know, like, and these kids that are bullied can't stand up to the bullies because when they do, they're the ones getting in trouble too. And it's like, wait a second here. So you can't stand up for yourself because you're going to get in trouble too. You're taking that power away from the kids. Like, it's disgusting. And people keep doing it. They keep doing it. And then they sit there and scratch their head and go, why is my kid all fucked up? Yeah, I don't know why. Where did I go wrong? Where? Yeah. I don't know where I went wrong. And it's like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, it's, it's gross. It's negligence. It's, you know, it. I it's literally know. cursing God out of the kid, you know? People need to feel, I've written this down just to uh, to remind myself, people need to feel significant, included, and powerful. And like you're saying about the shootings, that's exactly the opposite of what those kids felt and why they went out and did that. And my opinion is where the SSRI and stuff uh, really come in, just from my experience, and it's just my opinion. But, you know, uh, I I just see in the eyes and emotively just with emotion, my my self-proclaimed emotional intelligence when a young child sticks up for himself and gets in trouble for it i just see the the look of depression rejection and you know because they know that they're in the right because you know god's helped them to stand up for themselves and maybe someone's led them to be able to do that and then they get in trouble for it and it 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 causes a trauma, in my opinion, in the brain because they're sitting there in righteous, uh, in a righteous, in righteous light, in the light of God. They're in the hands of God. Speaking of young children, and then all these people come and go. All these, all the, all the leaders, all the adults around them in their in their world are saying, you know, I don't care who started it. Was you know, you guys are both really naughty, and this person's done a good thing, and they're completely defeated, and they're excluded, and they're powerless, and they're insignificant. But really, what they did, they should be getting um, three cheers and a pat on the back, like you, you did, you did really well. And um, it's it's defeatism and it's denying God. And in that in that way, it's like a satanic, it's a satanic uh, ritual acting that out. And my just my opinion again. And then when they get older, uh, they haven't practiced everything that you've been saying about sticking up for yourselves. And then so out come the SSRIs, the antidepressant medication, and up goes, in my opinion, the suicide rate, mass shooting rate, and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. It's like a generalization. It, I mean, it's, it's, it all stems from like, it, it all stems from like abandonment issues, really. You know, and, and it's like you're saying, like trauma that's never healed. There's a lot of trauma out there, like, and I don't know, man. It seems like most of it can be worked on, 
And over the course of time, of course, circumstantially speaking, it can be healed. And this type of trauma is just supposed to be normal. And it's not. <laughs> it's not normal. And of course, both kids have to get in trouble because if one kid was singled out, then maybe the people would start waking up. I don't know. I see a situation happening there where people would start waking up and it's all about control. All of it is about control with these people. You know, like I think that, you know, the vast majority of teachers that go into this, the people that go into this profession of teaching, I think the vast majority of them go into it with very good intentions. I think that the the amount of people that don't go into it with good intentions is like so low, it's almost insignificant, but I bet they do exist. But then they go and they have to do this job and then it's like their source of income and then money is their God. And then they all go and say, oh, I'm going to bow down to whatever it takes to get that paycheck. And then I'll have to teach this curriculum. I didn't think it was going to be like this. And then they they just get defeated too because that's what they were taught is how to be defeated how to submit, you know, that's everyone's under this, everyone's under duress, you know, we're, yeah. we're all under pressure and it's terrible. I, I just, I really just like, I don't know. I, I got to give a big shout out to my wife because without her, like, the things that we are hoping to accomplish with our children, it wouldn't be possible without her. And so this brings me to, I guess, the next point of our conversation and uh, about family structures and how important it really is to, you know, have that family structure to like, so, and to stick up for your kids, right? Um, create that support system, gain that trust and be a family in the traditional sense. Um, whether or not it's, uh, you know, an atypical family or whatever, I, I don't know, but you know, mom and dad are there with the kids or whatever. Maybe you're co-parenting, you know, your mom and your dad aren't, you, you know, maybe you and your, your, uh, your partner, aren't together you're raising your kids together though and there's no animosity between mom and dad but the kid gets everything that they need those types of relationships are possible i know people that do that and it works out for them and their kid is getting everything that that child needs and like mom and dad are with the kid every day and even around each other every day but they just realize you know what like we can't fulfill whatever needs we have as humans so we're not going to be together but like the importance of like the family structure to help um, bolster these children's self-confidence and the learning of the differences between right and wrong. I don't know. Um, what do you see like in your experience? Uh, so I bet that you've come across like kids that were kind of, I don't know, little shits. Uh, like, like, so you have some like experience with kids. What do you, how do I form this question? Do you think that there's a, do you, have, have you seen a connection between, uh, well, let me ask you this. Did, did you get to know any of the families that these kids came from? If so, did you ever make connections between kids that were just 
just absolute terrors and whether or not those kids came from families that were from broken homes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, this is like, yeah, this is like a big, a big topic. I'll try my best to address it. I will, I'll just, I'll be generalizing and this is all anecdotal. Like this is just from my experience, but, uh, you know, maybe I'll just start with a little story where, uh, I, I would find that, you know, what you're saying in like sort of bad or unacceptable behavior in young children is definitely and is definitely more common in children from broken homes from you know uh from broken down families separated families uh 100 and um and also there's and because they they are in the majority by far and it, and for me i, I would realize that it kind of doesn't matter too much on you know whether the whether the, say the divorce was just sort of like hey my career's going this way it's not working out handshakes and i'll see you on saturday doesn't matter if that versus like extreme like violence and abuse like i i think that all those all those kids kind of like and this is a generalization kind of fall into more into the not as well quote unquote behaved category and what i'm trying to say is like one of the issues in the center just to sort of tell a story is to like right encourage self-help skills encourage like care for the environment so like time to tidy up playtime's finished and the place is absolutely trash and you know there's eight billion pieces of lego and duplo all over the place building blocks all that kind of thing right time to tidy up and this is generally speaking the kids <laughs> And it's slightly a gross, gross generalization, but the kids from the nuclear families, the family unit, usually are the ones that are happy to go and do all the tidying up. And they have to actually, the teachers I find in some centers would actually split the nuclear family kids, so to speak, into different groups with the tear away broken family groups to then help do you know, because their self-worth or their self-care or their sense of routine and structure and, and, and responsibility is, is greater than, than, again, a generalization. Like it's not, you know, there are exceptions, but it's definitely the majority that empowers me to say that. So, yeah, for sure. And then I'd go and work in lower decile places where the, the behavior, in a sense, was worse and... I started to see sort of weird cultures with single parent families where like I worked at one place and, um, you know, I would see one guy and I would like, Oh, that's that person's dad. And then it turned out like he was actually like then, and then he came in like a month later with one of the other kids. And I was like, I thought that was the dad of the other kid, but then it just turned out he was sleeping with the other single mum. <laughs> like he was, he was fucking play. He was, he was getting his game on in the center with this, with the solo mums. So there was like a, 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 a yeah, man, terrible aim. And so that, that place and the chaos of me trying to understand the families coming in and dropping off was corresponding to the chaos in the actual center as well. So there's a direct correlation, which was, I think it was, I believe it was more your question, sort of like about the behavior and stuff, like from a quote unquote broken home versus a nuclear family. And it really is true like the, the 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 family unit there is a parental abandonment that's there is an abandonment that goes on deep down in the psyche 
if you break up, if the family breaks up. And then another sad thing is a lot of, a lot of families think, oh, well, a lot of families, uh, a lot of mums and dads, dare I say, they get divorced later on in life, even though they wish they did it sooner, but they just didn't want to traumatize the kids so much, which is also another tragedy. People don't want to work through their shit. Oh yeah. There's a deep sense of rejection um, in children like that. Uh, I, I know for a fact. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's definitely a cause for concern. You know, it, it's, I mean, on so many different levels too. I mean, not only are their parents not together, but now like they're not even with their parents. They're in this strange place, you know, for, I don't know, six, eight, 10 hours a day, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's tough. I, 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 I don't know, man, it, it's gotta be tough, you know, um, yeah, it's definitely interesting though to see to to be able to learn about like kids from one type of family versus kids from a different type, you know, a different type of family. It, it's interesting, you know. It's like is the support system there outside the school at home or is it not? And the kids without the support system they're 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 crying out for help they just don't know the words to use it seems that way i don't know i i I don't know uh i've never worked in a facility like that so like that's why i asked that because it's like what because i imagine that it's like you form a relationship with these kids so you can get each kid what they need right on a daily basis so like to be able to understand the child you kind of have to understand a little bit of their home life yeah to be able to on an individual like one-on-one basis with each kid be able to get what that kid needs because a personal a, a personal touch for each kid makes them feel uh it makes i would imagine it makes the, the child feel like um special yeah we're like oh wait i'm not just some i'm not like a cookie cutter kid you know it's not one size fits all approach yeah it's amazing it's amazing what like just how just destructive the system really is i mean what makes that community it's like you know some people will just choose that center because it's on the way to their work they will live in that area because that's what they that's what house they can afford or you know there's something in their mind that they like about that area that they move into but really it's it does come back to sort of money and income and stuff so there's not really like an organic it's not necessarily an organic like you know hey i i like these kind of people i'm going to go and hang out with them and you know there's not this sort of like organic community kind of bonding thing that surely must be you know what's important about the whole thing and in, in that sense i always i always felt that the kids fight uh to make that happen because of how kids are they're just forced to make parents meet other parents and forced to make them get along because the kids are so in need of you know being included and being powerful and significant so they need to bond and 
and uh, you know, and be connected to society and like their community. And uh, maybe parents aren't really interested. I mean, I could imagine I'd be one of those parents like, oh, you're friends with fucking little, you know, such and such. Oh, I can't stand those parents, man. Why'd you have to choose that kid as a friend? Now we're going to go to your, their birthday party. i got to pretend that I care about, like, I don't know, rugby or, you know, that kind of thing. So Imagine, though, like your kid being friends with a complete little shithead, but you love the parents of the shithead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well you could probably find a way to make that work <laughs> oh i'm just i, I mean I, I don't know why i thought that but like it's just like you know opposites like kind of you know kind of play into that it's like imagine that like or imagine imagine you're friends with somebody for like a wicked long time you know like you've been friends with somebody since you were a teenager or something you've grown up together and everything and then the next phase of life happens and you both you know like me and my friend you know um no no real friend in particular but i'm just making this up but like they have a family you have mm. a family but you're still friends but no no one else in your family's get along <laughs> like your kids don't get along your wives don't get along like and you're just like well when do we get a chance to hang out it's like Ugh. friendships get ruined that way it sucks <laughs> yeah yeah you know, it's but like i like what you were saying though about you know um communities and and everything it's like but how do they learn to be in a healthy community like you were saying like oh we're you know nurturing that community aspect of the whole thing and say well what do you really how successful do you think that's going to be when on the micro scale of that their families are torn apart how do you expect the community to be you know functioning well when the household can't even function well so you know what i'm trying to say like the principle of mm -hmm. correspondence it's like step yep. by you know uh it's so many working parts together it's it's uh it's a lot you know and people people ignore a lot of things. I think it's, it's a problem. I'm talking a lot about problems tonight. I don't know why I'm more solutions oriented. A lot of more of the times, you know, I don't know what's gotten into me tonight. <laughs> Sorry. But, Oh man, it's a, it is a burden, man. And it is a big responsibility being a dad. Um, and like, you know, everything I say must, must get taken with a pinch of salt because I'm not a dad. So, I mean, it's a huge, it's a huge job. So, I mean, and, and you have to look at the problems, but you are a solutions man because you're aware of the problems, you know, I don't know. That's, yeah. I guess that's where I'm looking you, at it. You, yeah. You got to be able to like stare, the, stare at a problem and just contemplate how to, uh, some kind of course of action to, to mitigate it, you know, it's, it's, it's got to be done, but the, at some point the solution has to be you, you got to figure it out, you know? It's, yeah, it's natural law, the big one, the self-defense principle. One thing that came to mind when you're talking about growing up and then you still got your friends and stuff. I mean, I don't know if this was me being a bit too far, like maybe not right. Uh, you know, I've gone through my own sort of like, you know, depression and all that kind of thing. But one thing that used to really, like really irk me about the world was that like, you know, I, I fell out with a lot of my friends from my schooling. And some of them I, I was in school with from five years old. And I kind of just walked away from a lot of them because I thought it got to a point where I like I couldn't get past, like it was only circumstance in a sense that kept us together because we went to the same school. We grew up like sort of on a similar, in, in the same suburb, in the same neighborhood. 
and we were the same age. And then, you know, like when, when do you, when do you part ways? Because, you know, we, we didn't really have the choice to go into this, you know, into the schooling system and, and that kind of thing. And, and then, you know, we're not taught the, the morality. And, uh, you know, another thing that would irk me about this sort of thing would be like, you know, seeing friends stick up for their friends just because they were their friends, but their friend might've done something wrong. And then they're just like, you know, be honorable to their friend just because of the circumstance. Like we're all put into the system and, you know, the same, the people making the same amount of money will have to live in the same suburb because that's all they all can afford. And that's what makes you all similar. And it's all external, uh, external factors that don't, uh, that don't have to be in place. They absolutely don't have to be in place. But we think that that's that's our lottery ticket. That's what we've been born into, and that's our lot. And it's it's just yeah. It used to just mess with my head. Yeah, I can see how that how that can mess with somebody's head for sure. You know, yeah. it, it, I, I kind of have similar things. You know, in in, uh, in in my you know early like my teenage years and stuff like that. Like but not so much because I wasn't really, I wasn't really like uh, nailed down to any particular neighborhood for very long that we kind of moved around a lot, which is like on the other side of the whole thing where it's like those relationships, it's very tough for me to, to uh, create relationships and maintain them with people because it's not something that I'm used to doing, uh, you know? So it's like, you know, what, it, you know, you move around every every couple of years. <laughs> it sucks. You know, but can we do it? Can we do a shout out to Sean McCann now? Because uh, you guys were friends from school. Is that correct? No, 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 um, no, no, no. Uh, he's actually he's actually a bit older than I am. The, the, oh, the, okay. The, I misunderstood that. The the history there is a little bit more. So basically, like what what it was is that uh, when when i was a teenage i have an older sister and yep. him and my older sister dated for a while and i would and and i would be you know hanging out with my sister and sean would be hanging out too and uh basically what what it, what it came down to is like a really you know tragic situation happened in, in my personal life and sean um saw it he was there for that and he for whatever reason kind of took it upon himself to look out for me and uh to help me um you know through it helped me get through a couple of things and to kind of give me this older brother type of relationship uh for for a long time he he was very very kind to me at a very crucial part of my life where i could have gone down this extremely dark path and he was a relationship i had that helped me not go down that dark path there were other factors there that kept me on a on a on, on a better path not the best one but he he looked out for me so i and i that was shit i met him when i was like 14 you know so it's like i i've known him for a very long time um and yeah and 
you know, it's, it's always been a, it's always been kind of like a brotherly love type of situation, like type of friendship between the two of us. And yeah, I, I, you know, I, I owe him a debt of gratitude for, you know, so show, so Sean, you know, is probably listening to this. He's probably got a big smile on his face right now. Um, and he should. So yeah. Shout out Sean, you son of a bitch. God. <laughs> God bless you, Sean. Oh, that's amazing. What a lovely story. So it's a community connection. Yeah. So it's like when you're, when, when the, when the uh, biological family is absent, uh, somebody who's still yearning for that connection and understands the power that they have within themselves, they may or may not consciously do this, but a lot of the times what happens, that yearning for that family connection is supplemented with friendship and you build your so friends are like the family that you choose you know and uh so yeah so like sean's like a family member of mine you know is a confidant of mine i have other i have a, a couple of other friends that are like that um and it's great you know, my own, my own personal history with my own family is not great. Like my biological family, a lot of confused people are involved. And, um, I, uh, I, I, I'm convinced now later on in life that they really did do the best that they could but there was a lot of times in my life where I thought that they were full of shit and, uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's like, it's like that, you know, but see the difference is, is like, I bet a lot of people have that kind of same situation go on and they, and they never try, they'd rather wallow, in the in the muck and they don't want to try to like come to an understanding and just move on you know and just be like you know i can't change the past the truth is the truth that's what happened that, that that's the truth of the matter i can't change it now what the fuck am i doing torturing myself by holding on to all of these really dark and and negative things you know, it's like these dark and negative things for me personally are a product of a broken home and a couple of people that could not put their differences aside. And those people are my parents and they could not put their differences aside, not even for their children. And we as children suffered as a consequence. Um, this is why I take my, uh, my podcast in these directions. It's extremely important to me to be able to have it on record. Uh, my point of view, um, maybe one day my children will listen to this and the things that I may or may not struggle to talk to them about because it's something I'm, I don't know. I might find it difficult to explain it to them 
face to face. This could help them gain an understanding of their father. I have personally like been at the receiving end of a lot of negative attention from both of my parents. Um, there were good times too, but for some reason, the bad times stick out a little bit more. I don't quite know why. That's something I'm still working on is trying to figure out why is it that I still just remember more of the bad times than the good times. And the one person, so like the tragedy that struck me when I was a teenager was the man who raised me, who's my stepdad, he, he died uh, pretty abruptly. He got sick and was sick for about eight months. He was diagnosed and was sick for about eight months and passed away. And uh, I, I don't know. I've never really like come to terms with that, but I kind of made a vow to myself that, you know, I'm, I might not end up being, you know, father of the year, but like I had uh, my biological father, not really as present and available as maybe he would have liked to have been and it painted him in a negative light. Um, my sister and I were kind of used as tools and weapons against both my parents would do terrible things to each other, speaking really terribly of each other in front of us and paint each other in this really just bad light. And I think that's really, really a big fucking problem, uh, among, among adults that can't get along with their you know their 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 children's mother or their children's father it's just like get over yourself you know and be there for the kid i am hopeful because i've seen a lot of things recently in like my generation of of kids that maybe grew up like that and seem like maybe they can't keep it together with their significant other but they don't like they do the whole co-parenting thing and they put their differences aside and they do put that line in the sand where it's like, we're not going to do this because we know where it leads, um, which is amazing. It's a step in the right direction. I made this vow to myself that like, I'm going to overcome that. And I'm like extremely lucky to have found my wife and, and my journeys to have a partner and all of this that like, is really understanding but at the same time like outspoken enough so when i start pushing that boundary and causing a shit storm she calls me out on it and like will just show teeth right away and just just be like no motherfucker you're gonna stop doing this shit and but her her integrity and her willingness to work on things and, and everything to like, it helps me, you know, and uh, like, I'm like always like forever grateful for that. And like our children are going to benefit, you know, from it. We don't always have the most peaceful conversations, but we do show disagreements and uh, you know, we do, you know, 
compromises and and things like that like it's extremely important for children to see that a disagreement can be you know a, a compromise can be reached um yeah it's taken me a long time to work through the i don't even know if i'll include this part on the podcast to be honest <laughs> i might end it yeah I'm, i might edit this part out but like fair play man well, i appreciate you, know. you sharing with me anyway man and it's like it's a big it's a big deal like it, it's a big fucking deal to like um have had i mean to have had like the childhood that i that i had and you know it's not like i was like starved i didn't live outside you know like you know the extremes that some other children go through i didn't go through those things uh, my experience is still valid and i'm not going to you know uh, take away from my experience by like being like oh other people had it worse because obviously everyone there's not i don't know who the person on the planet is that's had it the worst but like it certainly yeah. wasn't it certainly wasn't me but i did have my i had my experience man it's just like it's shitty like so you know but yeah. i uh it, that's what big, i mean it, yeah well that's what we're talking that's what we're saying like any any suffering you know in that in that regard it's like you know any trauma is not really good that kind of trauma is not is not good i mean we can't we can't pass everything off as like oh that's just a first world problem you know have you got food on your plate well sort of shut up and and get on with it like you know it's what it's what informs our, our trauma is also what informs us i mean like i always think of like uh you know the i guess it's like an archetype like the wounded healer it's like what uh you can turn you're turning that into a blessing you know that you're you that's informed you and directed you to the truth and it's informed you as a parent and uh yeah you i put you down as dad dad of the year man <laughs> thanks for sure serious yeah. uh, it's it's just about like from my point of view it's about hey i went through these really crummy situations as a kid and i felt really like i felt what would be the word like disempowered i felt rejected uh i i felt like i felt like i didn't there were times where i felt like i didn't matter you know and it's just like how do you like how do you how do you do that to a kid i mean there there are times like even in even in my you know um with me even being a father where i am sitting here having to learn how to prioritize things you know to make sure i'm spending the proper amount the little time i have i do go to work you know and like am i prioritizing things and sometimes I don't prioritize correctly. You know, I get my priorities mixed up, you know, and that's another thing. My, my wife doesn't, doesn't let me forget, you know, like, Hey, Hey, what the fuck are you doing? Like, come on, man. You know, like it's, it's a struggle, man. It really is. You know, coming from a broken home and trying to like have one that's not going to end up that way. Sometimes it's just like, it can be, 
it, it can be tough, you know, and it's like, you got to work through these problems. It's pulling yourself up by the bootstraps and go, keep going is not the fucking way to go. You can't just say like, that's not the solution because it doesn't solve anything. Remember earlier we were talking about like treating symptoms and not curing the disease. Like that's a part of it. Like pulling, pull yourself up by the bootstraps and just do it. Like it's not, doesn't work like that all the time. It just doesn't. Sometimes it's just like, oh, you're feeling a little worn down, you know, like your kids are running amok. And yeah, sometimes you just got to put a smile on and just grin and bear it. But like there's other times where it's just like, no, you got to work through your fucking issues. Like if you got, if you got them, you got to work through them. You got to get over it. You got to figure it out. You got, you got to do something to figure it out. You know, it's like, you know, even again, to call back to something that we, that we were talking about earlier about these prescribed beliefs about, you know, these, these poor souls that are like fed this, like, like they have some destiny that they're, that they're free. Like they don't have any free will to make the choice for themselves. Like I have a family member of mine who for years now has been asked the question, Oh, when are you going to have kids? And he knows he's like, I'm not going to have kids. Quit asking me. Cause I'm, it's, it's not going to happen. I don't want kids. And I asked him like, well, why is that? And he straight up told me, he's like, I just, I just, I think I'm too selfish. Uh, you know, I, I, and you know, I don't think I'm ready for that kind of responsibility. Like, you know, answers like that. And it's like, whoa, dude, that's fucking awesome that you know that much about yourself to know that like, you're not the type of person to have to be responsible for a life. Cause like, that's what it comes down to. I don't think enough people are honest enough with themselves to put themselves, you know, to like, I don't know, I guess to be honest enough with themselves about that, you know? Yeah, no, that's amazing. If you know, if you know that you're wounded and that you're damaged, then that can inform how you, how that can inform, like, you know, how you behave going forward and maybe make you start asking questions about how to fix that. And I think a lot of these people, are people that do make it to the top of the pack um, and, you know, uh, and just, yeah, do, you know, knowing yourself and then you can start trying to fix yourself and start doing good in the world and, you know, make something, make something of it. I think people just rush into everything thinking that's just what you do and that's what you're supposed to do. And they just cause more damage to others as well as themselves. Yeah. I mean, and that's, 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 a, that's all what it's all about. Right. It's like a low level of consciousness. Like they, they, they don't mm -hmm. understand their, where they're at, you know, and like, especially like this, this, uh, especially like men were brought under, like, it's like, Oh, you're you're not supposed to have like you're not supposed to be like open about your emotions and things like that like you know you look around and like how many people in like our community how many people talk about like how many men are like talking about what it's like to be a father and like all this all this stuff like you know it's it's kind of a another problem like that's another thing like why i talk about what i talk about is because it's something that needs to, there needs to be a platform for it, you know?
there's a lot of broken people out there. It's, it's, if the goal is to, if the goal is to fix the world, right, <laughs> right. Like I don't know. Maybe yeah. then it's like, well, the broken need a home. Uh, that's what it's all about. Like that's part of my goal. Solutions. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. But um, so. We, we've done about two hours. How about that? Fuck, that I flew amazing, right by. Man. Yeah, um, yeah. Hmm. So we're going to do, so Gino, we're, we're going to do a, uh, a round table again. Um, yeah. Get some other people. We're going to talk about, so like leaving it off where I just talked about, you know, fathers having a, a way to vent or like not vent, but to talk about what it's like to be a father this day and age. You know, we're going to have a round table uh again and i'm hoping that you'll uh, be there um and a couple of others are going to be there i know you're not a father but you have experience with children and i think your insight would be valuable so you're invited um so in any case to close it all out um how about you just give people the rundown uh, again you know tell them where they can find you and contact you and uh in, yeah that's it thanks so much man appreciate it so yeah i mean to all the listeners uh thanks for thanks for listening and um yeah i hope you got something out of what i had to say and i've got my website thesecretkindergarten.com and uh feel free to check out the videos especially if you're considering putting out your own content um i hope that inspires you to do your own stuff as well with your own uh based on your own experiences and yeah stay tuned uh for like some services and stuff that i'm going to be um you know putting out there to support everybody out there in the truth community that want to um you know really sort of help uh you know save the world so if you've got young children and you, you want a few tips and pointers uh feel free to check out my stuff on the secret kindergarten.com and yeah, James, man, thanks so much for having me. Eh? Hey, thanks a lot for hearing hearing what I had to say. I really enjoyed our talk. Uh, it's it's just awesome, you know, being able to you know have you on uh, and kind of in such short notice as well. I know, like a lot of times, these things get planned way in advance, but it wasn't in our case, and it, it worked out great. I think we had a very very great conversation, uh, the first of many. So it's uh, yes. All right. So, uh, thank So yeah, I'll send off now my name, James Cordiner. Uh, this has been a hitchhiker's guide to truth. Thank you all for tuning in. And of course, go to freeyourmindne.com. You can find everything that you need to find uh, from me there. Uh, how to contact me, the rest of you know, the show and maybe uh, some things that are going to be planned for the future. So with that being said, I wish you all well. Good night.